so Joe, uh, pre riots round two. Yes. What was the market yes, looking Jacob. like? Jacob, it's good to see you. I have not been on one of these in so long. You guys have not invited me. Not, we haven't had them. And I figured since I was having a good hair day, I might as well make an appearance. Nice. Any disagreement? Are you that pretentious? Um, you Only know, on Fridays? Yeah. It is good to be here, though, and uh, the market has been going wild, so it'll be interesting to talk about it a little bit. And I think we should also talk about kind of the leasing market, too, because I think there's a lot of questions around just how everything's performing. Right. People having backup plans and mm-hmm. uh, the interest rate, mortgage interest rates. and I saw a guy got said that maybe he's lying, but he said he got 1.99 with Jeez. no points. He's lying. Okay. <laughs> um, he said it was 15 years zero, uh, 15 zero. Oh, 15. We can ask uh, Wolverine once he's done cleaning out some stuff here. Um, <laughs> but, no, I haven't seen low as 1.99. I mean, that seems really insane to me. But I think the lowest I've seen was like 2.3 or 2.5 or something. Yeah, like that. With no points? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You mentioned six weeks, first six weeks of COVID, everybody kind of got cold feet trying to see what the hell was going on. And then it was ba- basically... Uh, a pretty quick, like a three-week ramp up back to normal. Have we not talked since COVID? Uh, we talked. We talked twice through the first half of COVID. Not even a single word. <laughs> it's been who, a while, man. Who are you? Yeah. Um, yeah. So what I've been telling everybody is, of course, the truth. But um, <laughs> it's a good place uh, to start. You know, COVID hit in March, and everybody kind of shut down because nobody knew anything so sellers didn't want you in their house and buyers didn't want to be going into houses and so most of my clients just kind of you know gave me the email or the text or the call and said hey i'd like to stop for now until we see what happens people were worried about their jobs so on and so forth that lasted two maybe three weeks um and then it just started to ramp up right back into normalcy uh you know my little team the four of us were up you know 30, 40, 50% to last year. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's just because people are falling over themselves with low interest rates. Yep. But we have the same problem we've always had. We've had low inventory ever since I've been doing this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eight years of running on low inventory with historically low interest rates has carried us through COVID, I think. Um, You know, people, the clients that I've been working with, I haven't had a lot of job loss, thankfully, with them. Um, But you know, I think the problems from job loss from COVID are going to hit us later on in, in the market and later on in life here mm-hmm. um, after the new year, once the election's done and everything. Yep. So that'll be really interesting. But given the low interest rates and given the still very low inventory, I, I don't see it changing anytime soon unless riots keep happening or bad news comes out about COVID yep. or um, something like that. But in general, I feel like the numbers, and we don't need to get into COVID conversation too in depth, but I feel like the numbers <clears throat> have flattened out. I mm-hmm. feel like people are getting confident in our ability to combat it. And now it's if we can get the rest of the political unrest and all the other stuff kind of in a good place, um, we think people would be in a much better much better mood. But you well, know. I, I think you probably nailed it on the head. Once, once the public perception and the political actions start to get closer together it's going to feel a lot more like normal maybe a little different but a lot more like normal um on the real estate market i have heard two things over the last couple of months one that uh downtown condos uh got a lot harder um almost dried up on buyer demand uh and i also heard on the commercial side which doesn't isn't the same as residential, but it all kind of ties together as, par- as far as performance of the real estate market, that commercials expected to have like uh, 
Q4 crash, basically, because, you know, that's when everyone's going to bail on their leases, get through the election, see what happens. Um, and then the financial reports will come out and all that. So do you got any opinions on either of those topics? Well, I can definitely get my opinion on the downtown condo market. Uh, it's where I cut my teeth uh, starting my career, so I, I, I was pretty passionate about it back then, still am. And uh, we've got eight listings there right now, and traffic's been really low. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the riots two nights ago don't help with that, of course, and it's not necessarily that they're on on the properties that um, we have listed. It's just they're in the general vicinity, and Minneapolis mm-hmm. is very large, but when you hear alt ride in Minneapolis, you assume yep. that it affects the entire city, and a lot of times that's not the case. But um, it has been slow, um, and I was looking yesterday at just all the buildings and all the listings, and, you know, I the thing that I have to, we all have to keep in mind, though, is August is historically slow. Mm-hmm in our market. Now, we all thought with COVID and all this, we wouldn't see our normal cycles and it would be weird, but August is historically slow. So I think September will be really telling. People don't like to hear that because none of us are patient anymore, Mm -hmm. but September will be really telling. And if traffic is low, I imagine there's, you know, there's going to be a problem for the rest of the year. I think, again, once we get through the election and all that stuff going into the spring, we're going to see the same cycles we historically have, Mm -hmm. even in the downtown market. And that stuff's going to come off the the market a lot easier. So Um, is there like a price point differentiation? You know, we've talked before, you know, sub 250 or sub three and then over three. It's all condos. Yeah. And, you know, I'm judging it off of, you know, we are eight listings, but I'm also studying eight buildings, right? Yep. Um, we have listings from 199,000 to 585,000 and any everywhere in between 390 um, 430 and it's it's pretty consistent across the board now we'll see upticks on showings on some of them at certain time periods mm-hmm. um, but the conversations with sellers has, has been hard because you know just don't have a lot of answers this yep. is the first time we're going through pandemic combined with riots combined with normal market activity <laughs> um and then the to make matters worse everybody is seeing how hot the market is right and it is so true a single family home in the burbs single family home in minneapolis and st paul all of them gone mm-hmm. i mean multiple offers doesn't matter how nice the property is it's just gone now People have to be reasonable with their pricing because if you overprice something, they're still sitting. Yep. Mm-hmm. But if you're reasonable with your pricing, things are going in multiple offers, and it's and it's crazy. But that's just not what we're seeing in the condo market right now. So would you uh, – total speculation, and uh, we can skip the question if you want to. Jordan can cut it all out. But do you think a lot of that is because of the large wave riots uh, back in end of May and June where a lot of people are now unimpressed with – downtown Minneapolis and they're trying to get out to the burbs so that's causing the SFH to go like that and maybe the condos to stay longer no I actually don't think people are scared and leaving Minneapolis and I don't think people are scared and not coming to Minneapolis I think it's part of it because I think Minneapolis right now has a stigma to it especially downtown however think about the reason people live downtown Minneapolis you want to go to Twins games, you want to go to Vikings games, you want to go to restaurants, you work downtown, you want Skyway access, you want the to nightlife. be able to bus to work, the nightlife. Target corporate, nobody's going into the office right now. That's mm-hmm. 10,000 people downtown that are no longer needing to go downtown. Yep. So the need for those people or want for those people to live downtown to be able to hang out with their friends and go to work every day isn't there anymore. Not to mention, 
there's no Twins games. That's 80 days a year where you have Twins games. Yep. So a lot of activity, you know, vibrancy downtown. Vikings games, eight games a year. We'll probably have them. Fans won't be allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you got the connection to the river, but some parts of downtown, they're just not all that attractive right now. And it's not because I feel like they're unsafe. Mm-hmm. It's just... Nothing's happening. No. You're all, I mean... You're almost better off being in Woodbury and going to Chili's than you are living downtown because you don't even know if the restaurant's open right yep. now. You know, oh, that so, makes total sense. But and I'm a downtown guy. I love downtown Minneapolis, and my family very well knows I'd love to live down there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not putting it down by any means. I'm just being realistic about why people aren't necessarily moving there. Then on top of it, one thing we haven't talked about is is COVID. What do downtown condos have? They have a ton of people. You're riding elevators, and a lot of retirees like to go there. Well, mm-hmm. yep. if you're older right now and you're nervous about COVID, are you really going to be comfortable living in a condo building? I don't Probably not. Probably not. And not I'm with not, a 19-year-old who you don't know what they were doing last exactly. night. Exactly. So there's just a lot of that. And then, you know, it's not like rent rates have gotten all that great at some of these luxury buildings. Mm-hmm. It's not like they've gotten more affordable. So, you know, all of these pressures combined, I just feel like people are like, I'm going to hold on Minneapolis for the time being once COVID kind of clears through and once we get some of this other stuff cleared through, or it's probably never going to be clear, but more calm down. I think it'll go back to normal. I think it's still an appealing place to be, but I mean, gosh, we need twins games. We need concerts. We need river parties. We need all this stuff to come back. Otherwise it's like, I don't necessarily want to live there right now either. Right. You know, but nothing to do. Yeah. Well, same questions just in the rental market. Like we heard what the, the buying and selling market is looking like. Uh, what are you seeing throughout the greater metro, and then you know maybe Minneapolis specific if it is performing differently? Yeah, sure. So for the most part, uh, we are seeing a little bit of uh, differences in the rental market in t- uh, for like from Minneapolis in comparison to other places. So places that were a little bit more affected by the riots, I can see that uh, rental rates are a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. Um, you know especially in comparison to what I thought they were going to be, like when we had uh, listed a couple of our um, like condos that were kind of in like the Whittier neighborhood or nearby uh, downtown, nearby uptown, all that kind of stuff, um, or just in uptown itself. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had to make pricing concessions, uh, not many uh, showings. Of course, there's a huge natural slowdown in August. Mm-hmm. Um, generally speaking, there's like in the beginning of August, there's this big rush to try to get everything in before school. For 9-1, yep. Yep, exactly. But, you know, this year is a little bit different. Uh, not everybody's school from home you can yeah exactly (laughs) school might be from home all that kind of stuff so there's not as much pressure uh throughout the entire year it's been a lot different than previous years too uh, that i've seen uh the biggest thing i've seen is that everyone's a lot more flaky so not only (laughs) from just uh showing up to showings like that happens too where people Mm -hmm. just don't show up and all this kind of stuff but it's just to such an exaggerated effect uh in my opinion and then not only that but as you get closer to signing the darn lease mm-hmm. like people are like oh hey i uh just like lost my job or uh it's which is a legitimate thing otherwise <laughs> some people are like oh yeah uh no i had uh like three other places i was looking at and they don't even bother telling us even mm-hmm. when we ask like are you looking at it like, no i really love this one yeah oh, so they're yeah. negotiating three contracts at the same time and then picking one right and Ex- screwing two exactly so people are just really hedging their bets and i mean i would probably do the same thing you know what i mean it's a little mm-hmm. different in brokerage where you, you like you're Try, they're putting in an offer, and this is like a very, right. you know, earnest money and inspection yes. time frame and the amount of yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas, seriousness level, 
is, is much higher. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But for rentals, this, that's it's not the case. So people just kind of go through the transactions willy nilly, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's like a day and a half goes by before like we can they respond to us mm-hmm. and like, hey, did you yeah. review the you know all this kind of stuff? And they're like. Oh, no, no, we signed already like three days ago. I'm like, what? <laughs> one, what the heck? One thing, too, I think I'd, I'd be curious to learn from you that I thought would be really, and I think it did get hurt initially, but Airbnb, it sounds like your Airbnb is, Airbnbs are still functioning at a pretty high optimal yeah, rate. Yeah, not, not necessarily optimal. Um, so I do have a little bit lower. Well, I also uh, forcibly, or forcibly put them a little bit lower so then, you know, there's a little bit more demand and whatnot, mm-hmm. but it's just more or less changed. So more people are looking for longer stays, yeah. you know, whether it's like a week, whether it's like months, you know, like three months or yeah. whatever, people are looking uh, to stay for that rather than all of these things that would draw, you know, like we don't have anything that draws people mm-hmm. for like, they're not the coming nightly. in Friday night for the twins game and then leaving Maybe Saturday Sunday morning. Or, yeah, or exa- Sunday, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So without all of these events happening, um, you know, you don't have a lot. So you see a lot of people that are like, hey, I'm moving in here just to, like, uh, get closer to college. And so I'm in a transitional phase or, you know, my lease at this other place starts. So I need to stay here for, like, two weeks, you know, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, people still need more, like, uh, transitionary housing or short-term housing. But at the same time, uh, it's not to the degree of, w- of what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might slow down too, just a little bit as we get into winter, as it always does. Yep. Um, and, and generally, it's not that it slows down necessarily. It's just that it transitions into something else um, or that you need to adapt to the situation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a little less than I would, uh, like if nothing happened, like COVID didn't happen or any riots, uh, I'm sure it would be a lot higher. But um, you just kind of adapt and, and especially in comparison to people that have lost their jobs and everything, I'm super grateful that I have the opportunity to serve others in terms of short-term yeah. housing uh, during a global pandemic and all that kind of stuff. Of course, making sure everything's safe for them, uh, but having still that income source and being able to, you know, um, th- th- that real estate is an essential part of life, obviously. You yeah. Know? Did Airbnb cut you guys any slack at all? Or? No. A lot, Airbnb is, uh, has gone through a lot of, uh, a lot of different things this year. So there's like people that were getting ready to do uh, class action lawsuits against them because uh, they unilaterally decided. And of course, you know, in their, mm-hmm. uh, in their contracts and the terms of service and all that kind of stuff, it says th- these are no, like, you know, you can, these might be subject to change at any time mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. Yeah. So of course. Yeah. But uh, when you have uh, a host who has certain cancellation policies that mm-hmm. were put into place, you know, from reservations like two months ago, and then this hits and then you forcibly uh, change your cancellation policy. Exactly. And you take that away from the host and you are actively promoting to the guests that they should cancel mm-hmm. due to COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. you're not you're, you're then becoming more a part of the business than just becoming a platform. Yep. You know what I mean? So um, it it was really rough for a lot of people. Um, I got hit a little bit and then they were like, okay, yeah, well, we're actually going to, you know, refund you. Um, so please like help us get some support. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, once the, those, like the PPP loans came through and all that kind of stuff, uh, they l- tried to negotiate to get, uh, some government funding so then they could refund. You guys eligible. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> um, and then the, they basically made it seem like you be almost fully refunded or at least a greater portion of that and then it ended up being 25 percent maybe you know so, for people so was this more of a reaction to covid or more of a reaction to like california's gig economy law 
where they were trying to get everybody in the gig economy declared as an employee of the platform provider. No, so that happened a little bit before uh, COVID hit, I think. Uh, Yeah, it did. And and this was more or less a reaction to COVID. And then also just Airbnb not being uh, the best decision makers. So, I mean, they also like laid off, like, I think it was like almost 70% of like people that they hired. And that was a lot of it was overseas. but uh, for the most part, like instant drop in level of service that you got from Airbnb, all that kind of stuff. It's unfortunate because I've had really good experiences with them. But I even I, like I noticed it, too. Like um, I've had guests that will book past. I, I mean, I've ta- talked to you mm-hmm. about this. They'll book past midnight. Yep. And then they'll try to get they'll try to, like, get into the property and they don't look at the dates. Right. You know, they. OK, yeah, it's after midnight. So technically, like, what is today? The 28th? Yeah. So technically, if it was like 1 a.m., oh, I I have this from, you know, um, the 28th to the 29th. Yep. I can check in right now because it's the 28th. But you don't. You said you're going to show up on the 29th. No, no, no. At the 28th, 3 p.m. or after. Yes. But it's 1 (laughs) a.m. So I have to like literally walk people through this. And I'm like, no, you know, it says on the listing. It says in my messages. Yeah. You know, I don't know where the confusion is. And then, it's just like a hotel, right? You can't just yeah, yeah. go to a hotel at ten in the morning when check in's three o'clock. Right. You can mm-hmm. ask. You can yeah. ask. Yeah. yeah. And but so uh, and then they'll I'm like I get them on the phone just to try to explain it. Some people understand, but they're still pissed. You mm-hmm. know, of course. And I'm like, hey, I, unfortunately, I can't. Like, if I could, I would. But you'd have to pay There's for There's somebody tonight, sleeping but, in the bed right now. Right. So you can't. Yeah. You're not going to be able to get in. You know, all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, and then, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, I am more than willing to host you for that day. So if you book another Airbnb or hotel right now uh, and you need accommodation for tonight, you know, as in 15 hours from now or whatever, more mm-hmm. than happy to host you. Uh, and they're like, well, no, I think uh, I only need it for tonight or whatever. I'm like, okay, well, unfortunately, then that you, you need to cancel because this is uh, more or less your failure to <laughs> follow proper instructions. They don't like hearing that either, do they? No, they don't. I don't put it that way, you know. <laughs> I put it a little bit more nicely. But then Airbnb, like, they'll, they'll give a call to Airbnb, right? Mm-hmm. And then Airbnb will, like, message me, and then uh, they're like, okay, well, uh, we'll cancel this and whatnot. You're going to have a penalty for not being able to host them, whatever, whatever. And, like, I'd literally have to go through and tell the, like, go, walk Airbnb through why the te- not the tenant the guests mm-hmm. like how what what happened you know it's yeah. just like no it's ready it was their the, crap up not yours i was available i was willing i had a conversation with them i helped them you know yeah. through through everything why would you give me a penalty right for yep. you know <laughs> it's right. it's just crazy yeah so like all this kind of stuff uh, happens and uh, so for the most part yeah short term rentals uh, can be very good right now i think it's a good opportunity to um, to take a look at what makes sense um, if you're looking to get into that game. Uh, and I think it, it would only get better in time mm-hmm. uh, as we understand the impacts of COVID. If it, does, if it goes away, obviously that's a huge uh, boost. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, if you make yourself in the rough times and during the good times, it's going to be real good. You know? well, I, so. I, I think we've, bottom, we've hit the bottom with COVID. Um, so anything like we might stay on the bottom for longer than any of us hope, but or a new virus comes out. Yeah, well, let's hope not. Welcome COVID twenty. Um, so, but what I want to do right now is I want to ask you guys to grab your crystal balls, um, because as of recording today is Friday. Yesterday 
the RNC concluded. Last week, the DNC uh, happened. So we now have the two official presidential you know, candidates. Airbnb. Yep, so and we're going to go all acronym oh, crazy here. Um, but no, so today, as of recording, is officially the first day of the uh, gen general election. Yeah. Um, now, I'm not asking you to give your thumbs up or thumbs down on any candidate or party or whatever, but do you guys think that the election uh, outcome could affect the housing market, uh, whether it's on COVID policy or just people liking it or not liking it? Like, is, is the housing market something that's going to have to slow down and pause for the election like some other industries do? My nuanced answer would be yes and no. Uh, of course, there's going to be butterfly effects. Are you running for office? Yes, of course, yes. <laughs> what can I say to not alienate, you know, the majority of my constituency? Uh, I would say yes and no. You know, I think that as much as people want to believe that uh, authori authority figures or, like, prominent figures mm -hmm. uh, control their life, uh, they don't. Mm -hmm. That they control the markets, they don't. They have some sort of influence, right? It's indirect influence. And of course, uh, this indirect influence can be used. And uh, sometimes, if you have like some sort of executive order or something like that, obviously, or Fed rates, or Fed, yeah. So it, there's of course levers that people can pull, but uh, it's not going to be unless you get into a command economy, a direct over-the-top control of, of things. Uh, mm -hmm. And even then, you have like black markets and all that kind of stuff. So I don't, I don't know any like black housing markets, but you know, like <laughs> or whatever. That hey, New York had a black market for cigarettes, so anything yeah. could happen. Right, exactly. So, you know, um, I would say yes and no in that regards. I think that the fundamentals are good, like everything has momentum. So mm -hmm. the momentum that we have right now, if it doesn't fizzle out or change direction, you know, like in the next couple of days, meaning that months from now, mm -hmm. it'll be, you know, drastically different. Uh, yeah, to some degree, of course, but not the majority, you know, so that'd be my. Yeah, I think, you know, we're going to go through debates. Um, we're going to go through all this information that candidates are going to put out there. And mm -hmm. I think that's going to perceptions reality to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, so I think whatever is said <laughs> is going to have a lot of influence on people. But to Andre's point, I don't know that it's actual issues of the market itself it's mm -hmm. people's perception it's kind of like covid covid hits and we're like oh my god what is this thing and what are we going to do so everybody shuts down if a candidate gets up there and says you know the economy's in big trouble and you know everyone's mm -hmm. going to be out of work in three months and grab your seats and get along for the ride yeah i imagine people are going to be like well i'm not going to buy a house right now mm -hmm. and, and that's those people that believe what they're saying yep. and and uh, tie it to their personal life and so who knows? But it will have an effect of some sort for sure. And and elections always do. Yep. Um, I think about other businesses that are related to real estate too. And I think contractors get less calls, plumbers get less calls, electricians mm -hmm. get less calls during this time frame while people are kind of hunkered down. It's also aligns with Minnesota's slow time. Yep. So again, it's kind of like August when I'm starting to panic about the condo market a little bit. It's like, well, August is slow. November and December are slow. Mm -hmm. September and October are better months in Minnesota, just like March through May are. Yep. So when it's November and December and we're going through an elect the finality of the election and it's slow, I think we all need to sit here and remember it, not mm -hmm. freak out, and as realtors, especially in the market, not sit here and tell our clients, oh, my God, I don't know if we're ever going to sell your home because it's November and December. So basically, as far as you can tell, we're on the normal roller coaster Let's wait until we find out that it's not the normal roller coaster. And you both think it'll be 
some minor ancillary impact, but probably nothing. It might not be minor. It might it could be major, but it, it I don't think it'll be long lived because it won't be it won't be the result of actual policy. Like stuff that's happening. Yep. It's gonna be perception and then it's just like COVID. Once the perception of COVID is okay, we can survive this, people got mm-hmm. right back into buying and selling yep. homes. But of course this is all guessing and I don't mm-hmm. know what either candidate will say or who yep. will win. But if they say some pretty radical stuff, which I don't think they will, because that's not how you win, yep. um, then there could be a major impact. But, yeah, as of right now, I feel like we've been chugging along for a long time. There needs to be a market correction. I think COVID actually extended what would have been a market correction over the next year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, you know, I've been anticipating a market correction of 5 to 8%, not 40 back in 2008. And I try to remind people... That 2008 was majority driven by the mortgage industry, mm-hmm. not the real estate industry. Mortgage industry was lending subprime loans. Mm-hmm. People were underwater on their homes yes. and foreclosing at rapid mm-hmm. rates because, well, they could walk away or they could give the bank a hundred grand to walk away. What are you going to choose right. to do? Nowadays, if you bo- if if you lost your job. Mm-hmm. And you and Aaron couldn't make your house payment. The odds of you foreclosing are very slim mm-hmm. because you could sell it and make money. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and same with your with your properties, my house, my townhouse, and stuff like that. It's like, well, I'm not gonna foreclose. I'm just gonna put it on the market. And it doesn't matter if I'm a realtor and I save fees and stuff like that. Like most people have a lot of equity in their homes mm-hmm. right now. So, so like the people that reach out and say, I want to buy a foreclosure up in, in a year, and it's like. Well, you're looking at five percent off sticker price, basically. And I and nothing huge. And if it's a true Maybe. foreclosure and the bank has uh, has it now, it's not going to be like oh wait when the bank just wants to salvage something. Yep. Nowadays, a bank can list the property and get the its asking price. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't have to now. If somebody goes in and trashes it, removes all the copper piping, and yeah, takes the furnace or what? Yeah, then you got to do something about it. But most of the time nowadays, the bank-owned properties I see. They go in there, they replace the carpet, they make sure the appliances are working, they clean the furnace, they make sure the outside's painted, and they list it for what the value should be on the market. Mm -hmm. That's what you're going to see, not banks just throwing a bunch of foreclosure inventory out there. Um, Well, so let let me give you an example to compare 2009 to to 2020. In 2009, we tried for the first time in our lives to buy a house. Um, And you're a St. Cloud boy. You know, over by St. Cloud Wade Park, by the line, there's, uh, what is that, HR Pesties? Um, HR Pesties. Yep. So Good place the, for lunch. Good bar. Oh, the house bar. right behind the wood separating fence was the one we offered on. It was listed at 52. You'd be a raging alcoholic. Uh, we would have also. More uh, so than now. We had one kid at the time, so it was a, a 2-1 with a den. That You'd have 10 kids by now yeah. if you live there. Um, but, and we, <laughs> and we, ended up offering, we ended up offering our highest at 58000 and we got beat out by fifteen grand on a cash offer. Um, compare that to now, you know, we paid, you know, 230 or whatever it was for a uh, 4-2. Our, was that $50,000 house for a 2-1, was that in line or have we with, uh, you know, average 3% growth or are houses today just way overinflated and people are just buying them at that prices because that's the market? I know Joe is a master of St. Cloud real estate in 2009, so... <laughs> like, like was to, let, let me paraphrase. They, uh, was 2009 in the dumpster where everything was undervalued, or was it more so where it should have been valued and there was no uh, ridiculous market inflation? No, I, I think when I, what I'm seeing people pay for homes now 
can get ridiculous at times. Mm -hmm. But in general, I, I see the value, especially with interest rates the way they are. I mean, $1,800 a month, $1,500 a month mortgage back then is way different than a $1,500 a yeah. month mortgage now. So the inflation comes with the territory too. Interest rates back in 09, 6% maybe, mm -hmm. 7%. I don't, I, I was, I didn't have a mortgage yet, but, um, you know, by 2012, they were down in the mid threes mm -hmm. or, or low fours or whatever. So I think prices have come up because of that. But again, you're talking about way different markets, St. Francis versus St. Cloud, yep. Minneapolis versus any of the other markets. Um, but I don't think we are seeing the inflation we saw in like 06, because again, there was appraisal fraud. <laughs> Nowadays, you know, no appraiser, income verification. Appraisers don't even want to look at you or, or talk to you. No. Um, they'll give, they'll purposely give you a low appraisal. <laughs> yeah, you know? they, they'll fog the mirror. You, know, you got to fog a mirror back in '08 to get a to get a loan. Now you got to go through. Yeah, now you got to go through. You know, the fifth degree just yep. to, to get even your pre-approval, mm -hmm. um, which is all good stuff. And yeah. we're starting to see, you know, zero percent down and some other lower credit being allowed again and stuff like that. That's scarier, but it's not to the extent that it was back then. I mean, the... More responsibly. Yeah, it's not tied to securities anymore, is it? Right. Yeah. The, the big short... Yeah. I love that movie. movie. That, that, I'll I did watch not, that tonight. I thought I, I thought I understood what happened in 08, 09. And, yeah. and I did. Like, I understood the top 5%. Yeah. That movie broke it down in such an understandable way. The, yeah. the, the one that I always bring up as part of that movie is when the guy's talking to the stripper and she yeah. owns five homes. <laughs> And he goes, well, how are you going to pay for all those when your loan comes due in three years or two years or mm -hmm. whatever, one year? And she was just like, what? What are you talking about? And he's right. like, well, you got to make a hole on those. You're yeah. on a balloon. You're, yeah. you're adjust, your rate's going to adjust to an, a, a payment that you can't afford anymore. And she yeah. just had no clue. Nowadays, locking into an arm is very rare mm -hmm. because interest rates are so low. So yep. you don't have to. But if you are, you're doing it for a specific reason, right. not because you're, you know, not because you're trying to buy up multiple properties necessarily. Right. So um, I think the the values that I'm seeing now are pretty in pretty in line. I mean, mm -hmm. like I said, I, I've definitely we've lost out on offers we've written fifty grand above list and some mm -hmm. of those homes I'm like, I I don't know how they're gonna appraise and I don't know why you mm -hmm. pay that much because you gotta sell it eventually and then you need the market to go even farther. Yep. Um, but so yeah. all of the cogs and gears are being more responsible now, which is so even though the prices might seem like they're higher than a buyer would want to spend, I mean, because yep. we're all cheap, um, it's actually looks secure and like it's responsibly done. Yeah, I think, it, you know, we're doing irresponsible things now. I mean, I see them all the time, uh, especially as a listing agent mm -hmm. with some of the valuations that we're getting. I think some of the stuff is irresponsible, like people are waiving inspections, people are going 30 grand above list without appraisal protections. Um, but Ooh, that's risky. But people are so pent up here, right? Like mm -hmm. they haven't been able to buy a house because they keep losing out. So mm -hmm. you, you almost have to do those things to win it. Maybe even for like a year. You yeah. Know? Like it was still bad last year, you know, mm -hmm. right. before COVID. And right. And so shorter supply. I think... Um, I say irresponsible, but on certain homes, those things are okay. Mm -hmm. You know, like especially if you're like an investor, yeah, and you know exactly, exactly. What you're doing and there. I wrote an offer on a home yesterday um, that was listed at three fifty, and I thought it was worth three ninety. So you can say we're irresponsible writing forty grand over, but I think the list price is wrong, and mm -hmm. it's hard to get over that hump sometimes, right? Of like, yep. well, no, we're overpaying by forty grand. It's like, no, you're, you're when not. When you probably put yeah, in look at the uh, an appraisal contingency, like if it, yes. if it doesn't appraise, yes. we got to walk. 
I do have appraisal contingency in there. I also shot the listing agent over my comps to say, here's why I'm offering what I'm offering. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they don't think I'm some crazy right. person. Ignore everybody else. Here's my reasonable, yeah. and you're not going to get a better. And he might use those against me later on with another offer and say, oh, we can get your offer up. Look at these comps. Yep. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I just want them to know we're being responsible because mm-hmm. you could sell your house. We were talking about it yesterday or the day before. You could sell your house for 500000 but it, what good is it going to do? An right. appraiser is going to come in and say this house isn't worth five hundred thousand, yep. mm-hmm. and then you're back to selling it for what the market would bear anyway. Maybe mm-hmm. the buyer comes up with an additional five to ten k. Yep. But um, people that remove the appraisal, I was just emailing an agent about it today. People that remove that appraisal language, I don't think do so necessarily in earnest because, let's just say you buy a house that's listed at three fifty, worth three fifty, mm-hmm. and you're willing to pay four hundred. Appraisal comes back at three fifty. You think that buyer truly is going to come up with fifty thousand dollars to keep it at the eighty twenty? Yeah. They're going to walk away from their earnest money more than likely. Probably. So to me, they're not being earnest about that offer. Right. Um, it's a red flag, and it, you know, it's just yeah. like stop wasting everyone's and time. And it's it's a good mm-hmm. feeling thing, you know. Yeah. Somebody offers me fifty grand more than I thought I was going to get. Great, you know. Right. But what are the odds of actually collecting it? Correct. Now, if that buyer is twenty percent down. On a same example, mm-hmm. you know that they have seventy thousand dollars cash. They could drop the five percent down, mm-hmm. and now they've got you know thirty five thousand dollars to work with. Or I don't know if I'm doing the math right now, but, no, but you know they have math. They, they have, can move the money around. The deal will still work. It just correct. looks differently on their end. But if they're five percent down conventional, I'm not judging people. But if they're putting five percent down, I don't know that they have extra cash to throw at an appraisal problem. Yep. I asked somebody this morning, we got an offer on a property, FHA, 3.5% down. I said, hey, if the appraisal doesn't come back, does your client have any additional funds? No, not really. I appreciate your honesty. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's and that's what we should be, you know, because yep. I don't want to set my clients up, hey, yeah, if, if the appraisal doesn't come back, these clients are good to go. They'll pay the difference. I don't want to set that expectation, you right. know, because we're all in this together at the end of the day. That's why right. even when people offer way over list price on my listings, I don't just let – and they remove the appraisal yep. contingency. I don't just say, oh, well, we're good. I'm, I'm done with this one. Mm-hmm. I still do the same effort on the appra- with the appraiser that I would if I yep. had – if they did have did have the appraisal. Well, and you do that stuff because you're a guy of character and high standards. Uh, but I think it would still be prudent for more people to do that stuff because time is money. And the longer you spend on a deal, you know, real estate's a commission-based business. Yeah. You don't get an hourly. But you can figure out your hourly. And the more work you have to do to get the deal done, the lower you are, your hourly is, the less efficient you are, and the more time it steals from you working on other deals. So it's in everyone's best interest to take these, you know, uh, high class steps, even from a selfish perspective. And I sometimes, actually, a lot of the time, I just wish more people did it. Uh, I wish more agents stood behind their offers. You know, for example, I wrote that offer for 30, 40,000 above list, mm-hmm. and I felt so strongly convicted about it that I guaranteed my portion of my commission to the deal. Mm-hmm. I said, if this appraisal comes in lower and my clients can't make up the difference, I will get I'll eat I, it first. I will eat it first, and that's 10 grand. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I did. The, I've done it three, three times now, um, but that's an offer I'm feeling convicted about. If I didn't think that offer was real, or I didn't think my clients would be willing to chip in too, I couldn't make that because I wouldn't feel good about it. Yep. Um, and yeah, your goal is not to spend money on every deal. No, no. But I want to win. I want to mm-hmm. win for my clients. And if, for instance, this offer goes through and I have to eat the ten grand, yeah, it won't be a happy day. But uh, it's another happy client. It's another mm-hmm. transaction. And um, 
I'll learn my lesson and probably never do it again. Well, <laughs> uh, even with you know prospecting and all that, though, yeah. Yeah. that uh, do comps more often, I guess. Yeah. What buys customer loyalty more than showing that you put skin in the game that you didn't have to? Listen, hey, you know what? You know, sister-in-law, you're looking at buying a house. You should really use my guy because I don't know if I ever told you, but he took a ten thousand dollar hit on an eleven thousand dollar commission just to make sure we got the house. Yep. And again, it's all about your convictions. If the, if those people wanted to write an offer for forty grand above list, and I didn't feel it was worth forty grand above list, I would never make that offer. Yeah. You know, you'd guide them otherwise. Right. Like here's a, it's just the same thing on like if something's overpriced, underpriced. 100%. You want to make sure that they just have the most accurate picture. Yep. You know, that and let you them can make see. that decision and go from there. But yeah. um, and I'm not I'm not sitting on this podcast encouraging real estate agents to do that, nor is it policy of mine. Um, but I want to stand behind my buyers if I fully believe in our offer too. And mm-hmm. I think, I think it's an added benefit, um, to them when we do it. And it shows that I'm, again, I'm behind them. I believe in it. If I, like, if I just said, oh yeah, offer 400 on it. Like where? Okay. Why? Yep. What if they win and we're $50,000 apart? Right. Nobody's making up that money and we won't find that out for another three to four weeks right. when they're already packed up, planning where their bed's going to go, planning where their future kids might go. And now we find out we're 50 grand apart. Right. And now we can't buy the house. And now the seller's pissed. And now the seller probably wants to sue, even though we have it in our mm-hmm. contract. We get our earnest money back. But what kind of consolation is your earnest money back when you can't buy the house you wanted or you're canceling your movers mm-hmm. and all that other crap? You know? Well, and I remember that was the scariest part of the whole deal. Like, the closer we got to closing day, and you were working with me a lot on buying our house, the closer we got, the more nervous I got because it's not that there was any ever ever any red flags on the deal, but anything could happen. Like, yep. at, you know, you could show up on final inspection, a water main burst, and now you've got $40,000 worth of damage in the basement, yep. and the seller can be like, I'm not going to fix it. We're going to switch to an as-is, and I'm going to, you know, whatever. Yep. Um, so The house burns down. Exactly. That's just, it's... <laughs> It's like, all right, we are now committed in motion. We've already, uh, you know, we've registered with the new school. We've been driving for two weeks to this district. That's an hour away from us. Uh, And then it's like, if this whole thing falls through at the 11th hour, that royally sucks. Yeah. So that's not when you want to be able to reassure people and, you know, we're going to go smooth sailing. Yep. And that makes it tough in this market um, to be responsible because... You're sitting there and telling buyers like, ooh, I wouldn't necessarily go over list price for this home, but you know very well if they don't, they're going to lose. Yep. So it's kind of a balance of like you educate them and you let them make their own decisions mm-hmm. and you, you fight for them regardless of what decision they make. Even if you think they're making a bad decision, you share that you think they mm-hmm. are, but then you support them regardless. And, and I've educate, had that conversation yeah. with clients before where mm-hmm. they're you know, they've said to me, hey, I feel like you're not supporting me on this yep. specific topic. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's private conversations amongst us. Yes. Outwardly, I definitely am. I and disagree I, with you. Yes. But you make the decision, and then I communicate that decision. And I communicate it with conviction again, yep. and I do my best to get you what you want. Mm-hmm. But if I don't have an honest conversation right now about it, I'm not going to be able to sleep at night. Well, and you'd be violating your agency. Right. So um, a lot of times I will have private conversations with my clients, and then you go to battle, you know, Mm -hmm. you go to the war field, and you just do whatever you can to get get I've had to explain that that, uh, in the property management side, you know, tenants are our customers. 
landlords are our clients. Yep. And I've got different, I've got legal duties to the landlord, and I've got, we want a good representation in the marketplace duties to the customer. I mean, there, there's rental laws and all yep. that, but you understand what I'm saying. Yep. And I've had to explain to some tenants, well, you let them do this? I don't own the house. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not going to tell you if I agree with you or not, but I guarantee you I had an honest conversation with my client. Yeah. They still get to decide. Yep. Yeah, and I think we've gone off on just some random tangents. I commend Jordan for trying to cut this up and to make sense of it. But I think the moral of the story is is there's never been, and this is such a sales pitch, but there's never been a better time than to use a professional in real mm-hmm. estate. For sale by owners, I see it all the time. Like, we do earn our money. I know some people sometimes are like, well, that we sold our house overnight, multiple offers. That was easy. And it's like some deals work out that yes. way and some do not. And we run around with our heads cut mm-hmm. off and we work 18-hour days and we work just as hard as as, uh, as other people. And I think mm-hmm. – Or harder. You know, or harder. And, That's you know, I, I was this is a total joke, but Michael and I were at a – um, appointment yesterday and, and uh, Michael used to be in the nursing field and we were meeting with a nurse and mm-hmm. she very jokingly knee-jerk reacted uh, said oh you're you're just a realtor now and I said hey wait a minute we save what? lives yeah <laughs> and she she felt so embarrassed about it and I'm, I told her I'm like I'm just giving you crap right I, I know you didn't mean it like that but the reality is is we are just realtors but mm-hmm. in a market like this when shit's chaos mm-hmm. crazy have us at your especially as a buyer you don't even pay for our services and as a listing agent like let us navigate it for you we earn our money i promise well so management company too like the vsm in that regard is set up to protect people when this chaos comes Mm -hmm. now we're learning some of this stuff Mm -hmm. along with everybody else yep dr fauci's not sitting back in andre's office giving this is how you do a showing (laughs) yeah he's not sitting back there so we're learning it just like every other brokerage is learning it but if people don't see the value in management and leasing and real estate during a pandemic i mean i just I can't help them. Well, to put it another way, 90% of the business is still the same and still the stuff that you cut your teeth on and you cut your teeth on and you've got it down pat to where you could do it asleep. And the good news about that is, is for a client, if they're inexperienced, they don't have to worry about the 90%. So you've got almost all of your mental energies that you can devote to figuring out the 10% that's different. Whereas somebody trying to do it themselves is going to have to learn it all at the same time, yeah. even the stuff that nobody's got a good answer for. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Exactly. Yep. And it, yeah, we didn't mean, and it wasn't my intention to take it the way of like a final sales pitch here, but I do think like of all the times in society where mm-hmm. it'd be good to have it, even thinking about how competitive multiple offers mm-hmm. are, if you don't have an agent and there's more agents than us that know how to put together a competitive yep. offer. I mean, a lot of my good friends in the industry are great realtors um so it's not like it's just us but like if you aren't working with somebody and you're going through open houses and you're trying to win these properties mm-hmm. and you know I, I get a lot of the well if i just work with the listing agent i'm going to save money think about who the listing agent's first relationship mm-hmm. was with and i get that when even you if they're contract, contractual yes. duties of course dual mm-hmm. agency uh, yes you know everybody has to keep things private but think about all the information they've already given the sellers to the by the point that they've gotten to this point. Yeah. So it's not illegal or against contract no. or anything. And the listing agent has to agree to the commission reduction to save people money, mm-hmm. not the seller. The seller's not like, oh, you brought the buyer, I guess I, we're only going to pay you 4% now. 
Yep. The listing agent has to be the one to take the haircut. Now, most will because they're getting both sides and all They don't want to go back to square one. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's not like you're on a $300,000 house, the commission's 6%. Will you save three thousand bucks because the listing agent might drop it to five percent? Maybe, mm -hmm. but then should you be paying three hundred thousand for that house? You don't know because that listing agent can't tell you. Right. So like, there's just I, this is I could go on forever. Yeah. I'm and gonna not, be coming no. alcoholic. Well, right? I don't think we went into the weeds as much as uh, as much as you think we did. I think we stayed pretty on topic for what the market looks like right now. Um, I could go even further in the weeds. <laughs> I, I think all three of us could, and there's no beers. Yeah, true. So it's just. Yeah. A danger. Yeah, um, sure. I guess as far as the real estate, you know, we covered future expectations regarding the election, uh, standard cycles. We talked about what the rental market looks like in Minneapolis and uh, greater Twin Cities. We talked about the real estate market in Minneapolis and greater Twin Cities. Um, I guess is there anything else that's relevant to real estate that we should really talk about right now? I haven't heard anything's going to happen with interest rates. They're probably stuck where they're at at least through November. Um, you know, I'm not aware of any legislation or, or any hiccups. Hopefully we're done with riots because that's probably the biggest, uh, potential powder keg. I mean, that could tank property values. We get another two or three rounds of riots and Minneapolis could be done so. Uh, but that's, well, I think that's speculation right now. Yeah. I think there probably will be more riots. I'm sure. Well, Brits um, pub but, said yeah. downtown is not safe for consumers right, right now yeah i mean not even just like in the next like couple of days but there'll probably be more yep. eventually as well so um you know the only other thing that i can think about um in comparison to like low interest rates and all this kind of stuff is that just the fiscal policy or monetary policy that's being promoted right now mm -hmm. with throwing tons of like trillions and trillions of dollars into the economy and what that'll do not necessarily right now but down the line yeah. <laughs> uh and deep more or less de devaluing the, the real do. Yeah, exactly. Devaluing the yeah. real uh, value of the property yep. because, the, of course, that will mean that the prices are going to be increasing, but that's mm -hmm. not necessarily meaning the actual value is increasing. Yeah. It's just that the price tag is They've along with the, the money supply. They've on inflation for sure. Yeah, you know? it's like yeah. things are – but, you know, that might not hit for a while, you know, as mm -hmm. well. So, uh, But apart from that, I think that we've covered pretty much everything just to put it – the gist of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are some minor influences on the market right now uh, that we've seen evidence of, you know, uh, a little bit different of uh, the the market reacting to maybe riots, current events, that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, just n standard market cycles. Yeah. Uh, it's not that big of a departure from what we can normally expect. So um, if, if someone's trying to spin it a certain way at you and really emphasize the huge changes, well, kind of take it back to reality yeah. and, yep. and see that uh, we're not really that far from where we could expect, especially considering uh, how everything has been handled and, and how our daily lives have changed uh, so dramatically in people's mental states, right? So mm -hmm. in comparison, this is almost probably the no most normal thing about life, right. you know? Yeah. I think that was my biggest surprise. Um, after that, you know, three to six week initial period where you're like, I'm, I might be busier than I was this time last year. Um, oh, I totally was. Yeah. yeah. I think the two groups of people that are staking a claim to making more money in the world, though, are nurses and teachers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you haven't appreciated a teacher till this point, I mean, good God, I, I can't tell you how many parents I talk to that, you know, that, you know, <laughs> they're <laughs> lamenting. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and <laughs> teachers aren't the highest paid people in the world either. And then you got nurses who are on the front lines of yep. even non-COVID stuff, just risking COVID stuff all mm -hmm. the time. And, uh, you know, their employers don't even really want to probably test them. And 
I don't know. It's just a goofy world, but I'm gonna peace out on that comment because I could go on. Yeah, about you. This topic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I'm gonna not talk about that either because I've got strong opinions. And... Spay and neuter your pets. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. All right. Well, I think we're done on that one. See you guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>